0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Galatians chapter 6, and we'll be beginning in verse 6 as well. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we are so mindful of this spiritual law that we know today, that we're speaking about today, that we do in fact reap what we sow. So Father, my simple prayer today is that we would be more mindful of the seeds that we're sowing every day. And that, Lord, we would sow into the Spirit, sow into the kingdom, so that we can reap forever kingdom benefits. if there's one here today, Lord, sowing into the flesh, we don't want them to see corruption in the end. So I pray something would spark in their hearts by the Holy Spirit today, that they would begin today. this would be a day of transformation for them, that they would begin to sow the seed that will give them blessing and hope in You. And we thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just a uh, couple of months ago, laying in bed and hit the snooze button for about the third or, or fourth time, and it hit me how horrendous I felt. I was tired most of the time, frustrated, lethargic, had a lack of zeal. I found myself watching way too much Netflix. Come on, somebody. My time with the Lord, if I can be honest, had almost vanished outside of sermon prep. Was virtually non existent. And it didn't take me long to realize the problem because I'd been there before. Have you ever been there? See, I was reaping what I was sowing. In the hustle and bustle of life, I'd begun to let my health slip away. I wasn't eating the right foods, I wasn't exercising at all, I was staying up way too late, so my sleep wasn't what it should be. I was working way too many hours. I had no margin in my life, I talked about this on Wednesday, no margin at all, and so I I didn't have time for those people and things that are most important to me, namely, especially my family and the Lord. And so when you live that kind of a life, when you're sowing that kind of seed, you're going to feel pretty miserable, and that's certainly what happened to me. So I made a decision to make some drastic changes, and by God's grace, I've been able to do that. I made some changes to my diet. I'm down 18 pounds over the last four weeks. Feel so good today. So I made those changes to my diet, Changed to my movement. I've tried to move more, take more walks, those kinds of things. Changes to my sleep pattern. I used to, I used a week vacation just to kind of get my priorities back in order and adjust some things. Ultimately, here's what I did. I began to sow some different seeds. I made sure that every morning I started that devotion time again. And because of this, I've been able to spend that precious time with Jesus every day. Because I've been sowing better seed, I've had the energy to make some of these changes. And I feel not perfect, but I feel just much better than where I was just three, four, five weeks ago. And it's incredible when you begin to sow different seed in your life. That you can really experience a different harvest. This idea of sowing and reaping is a constant principle, as John Stott puts it, that is written into all life, material and moral. Think about agriculture. We have any farmers in here. Well, if you sow barley seed, what will you reap? Barley. If if you sow wheat, what will you get? Wheat, right? If you sow abundantly and you sow good seed, you will reap. Bountifully, and you will reap good crop, but if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Let's look at it from a moral perspective. Have you ever heard anybody say, I am gonna, I just need to sow my wild oats? I, I hear this most often when people go off to college. College folk, don't sow your wild oats in school, because here's the deal. I've never heard somebody on the flip side of this going, I'm really glad I sowed my wild oats. On the the front end, they're going in. They're excited. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to sow the seeds of partying and all this thing out late, doing this, that, and the other. And by the end of it, they're going, I wish I had taken school a little more seriously. You can't sow wild oats and reap strawberries. Job 4 verse 8 says this, As I have seen those who plow iniquity... And so trouble. Read the same. Can I get an amen? Amen. People come to me all the time. Wondering why they're so miserable. Pastor it seems like nothing's going good for me. I'm not happy. I don't have any joy. And I just want to like give them a mirror. And be like. You need to come to me for this? Look you're making bad decisions. You're not coming to church. You're not in the word of God. You're not being faithful to who God's called you to be. What do you expect? Now let me give kind of the other side of this. I, I'm, I'm not preaching here that if you do everything for the Lord right, or that, you know, if you're reading your Bible every day, you're praying, you're doing all these things, that your life will be perfect. It surely won't. But here's what I believe. If you are sowing the right seed, even when suffering comes, you can still have joy. That's why Paul could be in a prison cell and say rejoice in the Lord all time, at, at, at all times. And again, I say rejoice. So that, that's that's what I, I want you to understand. It's not that, okay, if we do X, Y, and Z, then we'll never suffer. No, Jesus said, John 16, I believe it's 33, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have it. Amen. But here's the deal. He said, in me, you may have peace. Even through struggle, even, even through tribulation. How many know that you can joy, you have the joy of the Lord? Can I get a witness this morning? And so, sow the right seed and get the right harvest. If you are not walking in faithfulness to God, if you're sowing the seeds of iniquity, you will not reap the harvest of joy and peace and all of the fruit of the Spirit. No, you'll be a miserable person and have a miserable existence. That's just the truth. And so Paul now gives us three facets in which this principle operates in our church. And he he gives kind of this stark warning he, says, he gives two warnings here. He says, number one, don't be deceived. And number two, what's he say? God is not mocked. We think we, we can take this immutable principle and we can somehow be the exception that the, maybe the Lord's not paying attention to me. And we get away with it for a while. We make really bad decisions for a while. We complain. We grumble. We do all these things and think God's not watching. And then all of a sudden it hits and you think, what's wrong? Be sure your sin will find you out. The Lord's omniscient. He sees everything. And so Paul gives this really stark warning to the Galatians. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. In every area of life. The first example he gives is that of Christian leadership. Look at verse 6. Let the one who was taught the word share all good things... With the one who teaches. I preach this with great hesitation to be honest. So let me give a little disclaimer here. I am more than thrilled. With the way this church takes care of me financially. I am so blessed. This is not a. Uh, what, what I'm about to say is not a plea. For a raise I promise you. It is important and I think you would agree. For every believer to be taught. The word of God. By trained men and women of God. Amen. Yeah. The phrase. The phrase. Share all good things here. Almost certainly, scholars believe, means financial support. Here's what's interesting. This is not to be seen as just a payment. Because if it it were seen like that, I could say, well, I'm up here doing this so I can get a paycheck. And if that's my reason for preaching to you today, I've got issues. Because I could make a lot more money doing something else, number one. And two, that's an extremely wrong motive for preaching. So this is not to be seen as a payment, but Tim Keller points out this. When you look at the Greek, it actually has the connotation of Christian fellowship. The teacher, here's what happens, shares spiritual knowledge and understanding and the gifts that God has given them with the church. And the learners share the finances that God has blessed them with to help support them. When the teacher or pastor is supported full time like I am, it benefits both parties. Okay, there are many pastors out there who are not full-time, but I wish they all could be. The pastor, when he is full-time, is able to spend adequate time in study and in preparation. And then, get this, he still has time for his family and sleep. And it prevents burnout. I feel so bad that the pastor that preceded me here is a great man of God. A great preacher, loves God, loves people. And the church, when he came on, was just not in a financial position to bring him on full-time. He got a very small salary. He worked full-time, I think he might still do this at Toyota. That's a demanding job. And then he lived in Mount Sterling and tried to pastor this church. And he lasted 10 months. And that it's not because he wasn't a great pastor. I couldn't do what he was doing either. And so I'm so appreciative that the church has grown and the giving has grown and that, and that uh, you guys have been so generous uh, where I can put the lion's share of my time and my focus on this church. The church then tremendously benefits from the full-time pastor. The teaching becomes richer and more time can be managing to growing the church and growing people. It's incredible. I'd love to take care of my associate pastors in the same way. Let me give you an example this morning. Ben and Dina uh, Burnett are Chi Alpha missionaries. That, we have a 16,000 student body campus that's a stone throw from here. And we don't have a big representation of that campus here this morning. And I don't think we will as long, until Ben and Dina can be full time on that campus. Because it's real hard to reach people when you're not there when they're there. It's very hard, difficult. And they're doing a great job part time. But I'm telling you, they're burning the candle at both ends. And here's what they have to do. Not only do they have to be part-time, but they still have to raise their money. So they have to itinerate and go to churches all over the state. And they have to ask for money, for funding, just to support their ministry. And I just don't think it should be like that. My heart, how many of you would just love to see Ben be able to to quit his job and be full-time here at the church and focus full-time on Chi Alpha ministry? This place would be packed out. Do you know this? If every adult in this church, working adult, tithe, gave 10% of their gross income, that could happen this week. And we could do every ministry without ever doing a fundraiser. We could fund celebrate recovery tomorrow. I'm well taken care of, but I want to see us continue to grow in this. Not so I can get more and more, but so we can bring some other people on. We're in, in, in desperate need of bringing on a full-time youth pastor. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Don't pastors only work one day a week? I'm going to help you with this, (laughs) alright? So just bear with me for a second. So here's what my week looks like. Sermon prep should take at least two hours for every five minutes of preaching. One to two hours for every five minutes of preaching. That's for a 30 minute sermon, that's anywhere from six to 12 hours. Mine is usually more than that, but that would be a minimum. Now most of us preach at least twice a week. Somebody tracking this? Making sure you're getting your your money's worth? Here's what we do in that time. We have to study the text, obviously the biblical text. We have to pray over the text. We have to find illustrations that will help communicate application to our people. Then, a lot of people don't realize this, but we actually have to spend time in the original Greek and Hebrew languages. And we have to study ancient culture and worldviews so that we can understand the context that the biblical stories and letters were written in. That's the only way we can really give you what God's intent, God intends you to have. On every Sunday morning and Wednesday night or whenever. That's a lot of work. And that's just preaching. Most lead pastors, this is kind of how I function here. We function as what we would call a CEO. I don't have the title CEO on my desk in there. It's pastor. But that's how we, really how we function so, here's, here's what I just some of my responsibilities. I work with our deacons to oversee our finances. I hire and fire. That's why Chris Morris is, isn't here with us this week. <laughs> I uh, run executive staff meetings and participate in many other meetings throughout the week. I personally coach and mentor leaders in our church. I do almost all of our marking that would be our website, our, our Facebook, and also our print media. I blog, I write our discipleship material. I create our newsletters, send that every, out every month. I give people biblical counseling and guidance throughout the week. I'll have meetings in my office there. I perform weddings and funerals. Uh, I, I do hospital visits. I'm there as much as possible for family emergencies. I develop and implement the vision of our church and deploy that vision. I oversee our four associate pastors. I'm resp- and then our executive director. I'm responsible for the building. Ultimately, I handle discipline within the church. I handle an onslaught of offenses from overly sensitive people. <laughs> I'm building relationships in the city, through the chamber, and through other meetings. I'm at the jail uh, you know, to at least two times a week. And in my spare time, I pray for you. So the first facet of sowing and reaping is simply this. Christian leadership sows the seeds of diligent study and hard work. And they should reap the harvest of, fi- harvest of financial compensation. There's a second facet of sowing and reaping. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap corruption eternal life here's what we know christians have the holy spirit who guides us who helps us and who leads us into holiness and that's why paul admonishes us earlier in in galatians remember chapter 5 he tells us walk by the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh so remember this though we're saved by grace this is never church a license to sin i'll say this again And if we sin, we will reap that corruption. It won't go well for us. John Stott in his commentary says this, that we are not the helpless victims of our nature, our temperament and environment. Not as believers we're not. The old adage is true. Sow a thought, reap an act. The battle starts in the mind, doesn't it? Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. That's good biblical teaching, isn't it? So let me unpack these types of sowing when it comes to Christian living. Number one, we have sowing to the flesh, as we know is our sinful nature. The one who sows to his flesh, verse 8, will from the flesh reap corruption. So our sinful nature, as we've talked about, if we're Christians, is our lower nature. We aren't slaves to it. However, we still have remnants of that old person that raises its ugly head at times. Did you have that happen this week where things were going well and all of a sudden the thought pops in your mind? Or you did something that seems out of character for the new you? That old you pops up just like it does in me. So here's what we have to be careful of. We can't sow to that flesh, that sinful nature. To sow to the flesh is to pander it, to it, to to feed it, to coddle it, rather than what the Bible calls us to do, crucify that sucker every day. If you coddle it, it will overcome you. So you've got to cut that off at the desire and the passion level. How do we do that? Let's talk about some, how, how do we pander to our flesh? Let's get real practical here. One of the ways I see this in church all the time is through grudges pastor says something you don't like. A church member doesn't look at you in the right way. And all of a sudden you're mad. And you're going to hang on to that. Or somebody does something really, really offensive to you. And instead of forgiving, as the Bible calls, you you harbor unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness. And you're sowing seeds at that moment to the flesh. Another way is that we start listening to the world. We, We get advice from those whom we work with that aren't godly. Rather than the Bible or godly people. When we entertain lustful thoughts, and let me, let me just say this, I, I use the word entertain very purposefully because you can't help sometimes the thoughts that pop in your head, but you can't help what you do with them. French. Don't sit there and, and long for it and, and lust over it. Amen. Okay, You've got you've to say, no, I've been given the mind of Christ. The Bible says that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of our minds. So if we're going to have different actions, if we're going to sow different seeds, we've got to learn to have different thoughts. When we hang with bad company, we're sowing to the flesh. Now, we're not to become spiritual hermits. We're to be a light to the lost world. But if you're an alcoholic, don't hang out in the bars to minister. I heard, I heard somebody, I may have shared this a couple weeks ago, but somebody was telling me they got saved through a, uh, a ministry by a church in Lexington that, that ministered to strip clubs. I said, I promise you they would go to strip clubs and take these women food and, and they're so blown away that anybody would serve them like this. Many of them had been saved. I promise you I'm not called to that ministry. Some, some old lady can do that, alright? I, I promise you, that is not my calling. Sister so-and-so can take care of that one. So, we've got to be careful, though, who we hang with. I, I can't stand being around pessimistic people. Because when I'm around pessimistic people, always grumbling, always coming, they just bring me down. So we need to help each other, lift each other up. That would be sowing to the flesh when we hang with bad company. When we make decisions that are against the Word of God, obviously we're sowing to the flesh and we will reap the consequences. I love the story that was in the Gospel Herald of the man who asked his servant to sow barley. The servant instead sowed oats. And the master asked, he said, Why in the world did you sow oats? And the servant replied, Well, I hope to grow barley from this. The master kind of scratched his head and he said, Why in the world would you think this, you fool? Has that ever worked for anybody? He said, actually, you yourself constantly sow seeds of evil, and yet you expect to reap the fruits of virtue. See, often people sow to their flesh constantly, and yet wonder why they're not growing in holiness in sanctification. It's because we're called instead not to sow to the flesh, but to sow to the Spirit of God. But the one who sows to the Spirit, the Scripture says, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This would be the same as Paul saying walk by the spirit. It would be walking by faith, not trusting in our own good works, but walking in faithful obedience out of love and gratitude to God. Colossians 3:1 says this, if then you've been raised with Christ, in other words, believers, seek the things that are above, above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are Above, not on the things of this earth. You want to sow the the, the seed of the Spirit? You want to grow in holiness? You want to grow in sanctification? Change the way you think. It's not enough just to stop watching some things and listening to things. You need to, on a positive side, start really thinking about, considering, meditating on the good things of God. Who He wants you to be. Who He's called you to be. The purpose that He's given you to glorify Himself. See, if you're focused on the same thing that everybody else is focused on, mainly your work and your money, you're not going to make a difference in the kingdom. You're just like them. They're not going to want what you have because they're going to say, well, you're trusting in the same thing that I'm trusting in. You're after the same thing I'm after. You're chasing the same dreams I'm chasing. We have to become what I would call kingdom-minded. So how practically do we sow seeds to the Spirit? Well, the best example of this is in Acts 2.42. And this is where all these people have been, thousands of people have been saved after Peter's message at Pentecost. A glorious day. And here's what they did. This was, that was not the end for them. It was a beginning. Acts 2.42. Here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. What did they do? They went to church. They sat at the, the feet of the disciples, not in not, the apostles, not in worship, but an eager, with an eager desire to learn. They devoted themselves. They didn't just listen. They devoted themselves to the teachings of Scripture. That's sowing to the Spirit. What do you do with what's preached on Sunday mornings? Are you devoting yourself to the teachings of the Word of God? They also had fellowship with other believers. They had ten ladies go to Gatlinburg this weekend. Had an awesome time. I love the Christian community that takes place in our church. And if you're not part of that, I want to encourage you. Get to know some people. Come to our the, the functions outside of Sunday morning that we have. This is one of the most loving, authentic, genuine churches you'll ever find. I, I love the people of Real Life Community Church. And I know you love to get to know them too. See, we spur one another on in our faith. That's sowing to the Spirit. We don't kick you while you're down here. We lift you up. The other thing they did was they, they prayed regularly. They broke bread together. That could be communion and also they ate together. But they prayed. You want to sow to the Spirit? Really simple. Pray and read your Bible every day. Not as just a task to check off your list, but love it, savor it, enjoy it. Make it a priority. It's the first thing right now in my life. It's, it's always my aim to be. And right now I'm succeeding at it. It's every morning it's the first thing I want to do. I want to spend time in the Scriptures. So real followers of Jesus don't make a practice of sowing to the flesh. They sow to the Spirit. And thus, we will reap eternal life, not corruption. There's one more facet of sowing and reaping that I want to point out very quickly. And that is this. It's that of Christian service. So we move from holiness to Christian service and serving our community. Look at verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. I want our volunteers to listen up today. This is good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of faith. Act, active Christian service can be exhausting. Can I get an amen? Especially when it feels so countercultural. Often when we become weary, here's what we do. We tend to either stop serving or, or we stop different capacities of what we're doing. We at least slack off. And Paul gives us this just kind of nudge. Keep going. Keep going. You may help certain people or try to help them and not see a harvest for many, many years. There may be someone who God has put in your life. And you may not see a harvest for years, but eventually You will. See that come to pass. You may feel like you're spinning your wheels in some ministry leaders, but it will come to pass if you just keep your hands to the plow. John Brown said this, that Christians frequently act like children in reference to this harvest. Their wish is that they would sow and they would reap in the same day. Don't we want that word? Impatient people. How many have ever taken a child fishing before I remember taking my kids fishing when they were very, very young. And you know the drill. They would uh, cast a line. And if there wasn't a bite in, what, 20 seconds? If you're fortunate, they would pull the line in, cast it again. Reel it in, cast it. Reel it, cast it. Over and over. And I'm like, listen boys, if you, if you really want to catch something, you're going to you're gonna have to leave your line and you're going to have to be patient. I want to say that same thing to our leaders today who may feel like they're spending their wills and they're not seeing a harvest from their ministry. You have to be patient. I wanted this church to be a mega church overnight. It didn't happen. But you know what I'm saying? I, I was talking to, to somebody just last week on the phone and I've spent probably close to 200 hours in study of Galatians. I just thought, Lord, is this doing anything? I just had somebody tell me on the phone. I just said, you know what? This series has changed my life, getting back to the gospel. It's not that I need the applause of men. What what I'm just happy about is that the seed that I'm sowing is reaping a harvest in somebody's life. I don't do this for my own health. I I want to see those. And you don't want that in your ministry either. Let me just give a plug for one of our ministries right now. Celebrate Recovery is going to be the heartbeat of this church because our heart is to, to meet the marginalized where they're at. And there is a heroin epidemic in our city. There's a drug epidemic in our city and in our nation. And we want to make a dent in that. And Celebrate Recovery is one of the best ways to do it. And uh, Johnny Loretta, raise your hand so so people know who you are in case they're new. They, They are newer to our church. And they have come in and they are kind of taking the bull by the horns and they are taking on this really profound ministry. And we need leaders, we especially need men that can come up and say, hey I'm willing right now, we're meeting on Sunday nights, I, I want to devote Sunday nights to training, and when it starts it's going to be Monday nights and I want to ask you to consider a three month commitment six month commitment if you can and say, I'm just going to be faithful, I'm going to show up and when nobody shows up maybe those first few weeks, I hope, I hope it's packed out, but if that doesn't happen and it gets a slow start, we're not going to be discouraged, we're going to encourage one another We're going to keep our hands to the plow. And Johnny Loretta, I want to say this to you. Don't give up. Because the devil's going to fight this tooth and nail. Keep your hand to the plow. You can't change the external circumstances that come against you. But you can change your perception of it. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. So you say, no matter what happens, if nobody shows up in training, Johnny and I are going to get on our face before God and we're going to cry out for this city. We're not going to be discouraged. We're not going to be dismayed. But we need some more leaders, some men especially. We need men and women both, but men especially. If you'd be willing, talk to them after church and ask them, how can I help? How can I help? I just want to encourage you, don't lose heart. Let me say one more thing before moving on. Paul says something here. Look at verse 10 again. As we have opportunity. Let me say this. God doesn't expect you to give what you don't have. When you when you have young children at home like babies especially life is not so cooperative sometimes and you might not be able to serve in the same capacity that you can when you have an empty nest or teenagers sometimes kids with teenagers or parents with teenagers can't they can't do much because of schedules and things we understand those things just do what you can if everybody in our church did one thing it'd be incredible it takes so much pressure off the the leadership of our church that do so much. Just do one thing. So, keep going. Keep pressing on. The other thing he says is this. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. Sometimes we're so good at taking care of the people out there but we overlook the people that are right here. I've just asked the Lord to help me be mindful of that. And if you have a need, a lot of times we don't know it. If you have a need... Don't be too prideful to share it with us so we can help you. We, we'd love to be able to help you with whatever need you have as God gives us opportunity. I was really discouraged just a, a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for Larry and Fern who have helped me out with the jail ministry because it's, it's tiring. But I'm there two Sunday mornings a month and then every single Wednesday night. And Wednesday's a 12-hour day for me without the halfway house. And then I'm there for another hour. And I just hadn't seen a lot of spiritual fruit over the last since really since they stopped coming here, it's made a difference negatively. Um, They love just the affections of you being part, being out of there number one, and being part of what we're doing here, just feeling part of something. But they come faithfully and they don't complain. But I just hadn't seen a ton of fruit. But the scripture just came to mind that keep your hand in the plow, because I I thought about I just need to let somebody else take this over or whatever. But last Monday night, I guess it's been two Monday nights now, we had a baptism service here where they let me bring six men over, adult men, from the halfway house, bring them here, baptize them. We had a communion together. It was awesome. So I just want to encourage you with that. Say, listen, you may feel like you're spinning your wheels, but keep serving. The harvest will come. What's your harvest look like right now? Are you happy? Do you have joy? Do you have peace? What about your marriage? What kind of seeds are you sowing there? What about your finances? What kind of seeds are you sowing there? We will reap what we sow. But here's the really good news I came to bring you today. I want to preach this from a negative perspective. You can't do anything about the seeds you've sown in the past, but you can sow, start sowing new seed today.